This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to episode 182. Now, when I got to the legs, I questioned everything I had done up to that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You guys know about spindle legs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those oh. legs are no joke. Yep. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so... The winners of the June Zebra Review theme of Exposed Wood have fun discussing how they achieve beautiful wood finishes. Cassie with Lolo Design shares a simple but very effective tip on painting the screws for your hardware. In our question of the week, furniture refinishing friends Nathan with NB Restoration, Sander with Black Lab Furniture Revival, Jess with Refresh by Jess, and Fabby with Blush and Ivy Design share, what is the most you have ever made off of a piece of refinished furniture? Whitney with White House on the Square gives accolades to Jen with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture. On the beginner's bucket, Diana with Pink Pinecone answers this week's question, how do you keep your studio organized and what do you do with the almost empty products stay with us we have the inspiration fun and community that will platform your day As trends come and go with furniture design, one thing that never really goes is beautiful wood finishes. There's nothing like seeing a piece that highlights the wood, taking it back to its original state or just uncovering a portion of your piece. Well, today we have the privilege of discovering tips and tricks to getting those stunning wood finishes from the winners of our June Zebra Review theme of Exposed Wood. Let's announce our three winners. First place went to Shelly with Basalt Mesa Studio. Second place was Karen with The Cozy Cottage. And third place was awarded to Megan with Meg Dell Design. Great work, Shelly, Karen, and Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Wayne. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm eager to get a few updates from each of you and see how things are going. Megan, we'll start with you. Dell is going to have a little sister. Yes, he's going to have a little sister in less than, or I should say around five weeks. So we're oh, kind of in the, the, the home stretch here. <laughs> well, you are. Man, that's yeah. great. And congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited. So has this been harder, the pregnancy-wise, or easier than your last pregnancy? It's funny because in the beginning, I was convinced I knew it was a girl. I was like, I did not feel this way with him. I felt smooth sailing. <laughs> so uh, I have heard that girls can be harder initially, and I definitely I got kicked on my butt a little bit in that first trimester. So I was like, it's a girl. I just have a feeling. And then when we found out, I was like, yep, I knew it. So obviously, we're really excited to have one of each and excited for him to be a big brother. So yeah, it's been nice. I've been spending a lot of time, just the two of us, and trying to kind of find a good balance between still working on projects, knowing my my time will be a little bit more sparse in the future, um, but also enjoying the time that I have with just him and I left over. Yeah, so now how old is Dell now? So he'll be two and a half roughly by the time she gets here. So he's at such a fun age. It's been like just such an incredible time to watch him develop and learn and he's talking so much more. So yeah, it's been a really, really fun summer for us. Wow. Well, that's such a cool gap in it between uh, two and a half. That's like a nice, it's like he's, I mean, obviously he still needs full supervision, but they're just, I don't know, something about (laughs) two and a half years where it's like, this just a nice gap. And as they continue to, to get older, well, that's so cool. Yeah, definitely. 
yeah, he helped out a lot with the nursery and knows where she's going to be hanging out. So it's, it's fun to see him being independent, but also already showing signs that he might want to help. So I'm hoping that yeah. carryovers once she <laughs> gets here. <laughs> Beautiful nursery, by the way. That is really pretty. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, we're not surprised, are we? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was fun to make it a little bit more feminine than his and obviously incorporate some great furniture pieces i know will last hopefully a long time for her as well <laughs> oh yeah the way you've got the design it's uh it looks really nice because it looks like it's one of those designs where it's fitting for her now but she'll be able to grow into it for a while so it's not so focused on infancy that she won't be able to enjoy it maybe when she gets a little bit older yeah, that was definitely the plan. I think having Della realize how quickly, you know, when you're in it, it's it's tough and it's a long, long days, but it really is true that then the years are short and mm -hmm. the time goes so quick. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, it's Tennessee, so you're a lot like North Carolina. Mm -hmm. What's the weather like there? Oh my gosh, it's pretty brutal. It's been high 90s. I'm pretty sure we're going to be touching 100 toward the end of the the week. So it's been really hot and humid. Definitely a lot of cool AC days and mm -hmm. smoothie popsicles going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw for at least North Carolina this Saturday will have passed when everybody hears this podcast, but I think it's going to be close to 100 here too. So and yeah, high humidity. Yeah. That's just too hot to be out really. You do have to kind of hunker down and stay inside for it at least the duration of the day and then creep out when it yeah. going down. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Where are you finding your refinished pieces to work on these days? You know, it's funny. The piece that actually won for this contest, it made its way all the way from Wisconsin from my mom. <laughs> so really? I, yeah, I, we, we found it thrifting years ago and she had it in her home for me for a little while and we've moved a couple times since then. And so it actually made its way all the way from yeah Wisconsin before I finally got to refinish it. But um, otherwise, I still tend to find things on Facebook Marketplace and just being so busy with Dell, I, I'm all for the people that love to deliver. So if I see delivery for free, that's always a big <laughs> uh, winning ticket in my mind that I don't have to go drive and pick it up with a little one. So yeah, that's been working still pretty well for me. But I would say I've I've definitely limited my my hoard over the last year compared to what I used to keep <laughs> on hand, which I think my husband is probably happy about. <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like you're still able to get a good deal on Facebook? I definitely feel like the prices are going up and it's mm -hmm. it's challenging because there's those certain pieces that you want to have your name on and just have the the character and age and history and those especially I feel like are so much harder to come by mm -hmm. because people are starting to realize what they have is worth something with refinishers becoming so much more popular and abundant in the area so I think when you do find a steal like a curbside pickup or something that's not completely broken you that you have to put together at a reasonable price it's definitely a gem Mm, yeah, for sure. Well, I have a fun out of nowhere question for you, Megan. You ready? Sure. I'm ready. <laughs> Hit me with it. It's not really that bad. <laughs> it's pretty simplistic, but what is your favorite flower? Oh, that's a really good one. So I... I actually just recently got back in February, I believe it was, um, like a floral tattoo on my forearm. And so it's hard to pick just one because I feel like I have certain ones that are really special to me based on like the month of the year. So mm -hmm. I, 
I have a few, um, daffodil is Delmar's, um, birth month. And so a daffodil is special to me, but then also, um, Lily of the Valley is really important. Mm. Um, that was actually one of my grandpa's favorite flowers. Um, and it's really kind of cool and special because I was able to incorporate that into our daughter's nursery wallpaper. So there's some, um, Lily of the Valleys in there. And so it all kind of, ties in full circle with some of like my ancestry and and where we were from Mm -hmm. and then obviously my daughter soon to be here she'll get to have that with her too so those are some special ones and then october is um, marigolds for my husband and i and our our dog as well so those are probably my top three (laughs) boy i did a good job on asking that question and i I was unexpectedly prepared for that (laughs) that's pretty cool by the way karen and shelly each of you has a different question so it won't do you any good to think of your favorite flower right now (laughs) (laughs) These questions have to be um, uh, sporadic in nature. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to ask you, Megan, uh, because, it, you know, I'm trying to ask this on all the podcasts just to give people an idea, just a general idea across the spectrum. Globally speaking, with the economy downturn that we have, ha- have you noticed your business um, turning down or are you still doing well? Are you selling pieces that you put out there with any issues? Yeah, I think it's definitely slowed down a lot of it due to like my own commitment to slowing down, just trying not to force myself into unrealistic expectations with the stage of life that I'm in. But at the same time, when you finish a a piece, it is it's hard. And I've noticed it is generally slower Um, for me, at least. I'm still kind of newer to my area. So I wouldn't say I have this huge customer base that I've built up over the years having moved a few times. But I think it's just, it's a challenging time where people are feeling it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. sometimes furniture might not be the first thing that they think of. And then especially trying to hold on to like the effort and value that you put into your work. Sometimes just having the patience can be challenging. Um, I would say having the time to maybe hold on to those pieces a little bit longer because I haven't mm-hmm. been pushing myself um, has definitely relieved some of that stress knowing they tend to always sell. I just have to be patient. And I think with my life being so fast paced. Well, I think uh, that's a really good point. I've heard that often is just being patient because most of the pieces that you guys refinish definitely do sell. Well, Karen, you are quite busy. We had a bit of a challenge locking in on the right time for this podcast, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I say that not to poke fun, but really I thought, you know, I want to bring that up because it really just highlights how busy you all are in this business. So you refinish, I mean, you pump out a lot of work, but you have a full-time job. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, so I do corporate consulting work. Um and I work from home, which, you know, things have changed significantly for me since COVID because I used to actually travel for seven years. I, I would fly out on Monday mornings and I would fly home on Thursday evenings. Mm. And so I was home for three days and then it was just, there, you know, a hamster wheel of just constancy of travel. Mm-hmm. And so when COVID hit, I was, I was almost at the end of my rope anyways of just, I cannot, I have no work-life balance and I enjoyed traveling, but it just, it's, you know, when you live in an airport, it it's not very luxurious. And so COVID occurred, we, we stopped all travel. We've, we still don't travel. And so it really opened up the door for me to, 
to be able to do furniture and, and kind of perfect the craft and learn a lot more. Cause I just kind of dabbled in it, I would say, um, before, before that time. So you think like long-term that you will still be able to work from home then? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now it's like, do I want to sit it on zoom calls and at the computer all day? <laughs> um, <laughs> cause I, you know, I'd rather be in the garage and I'd rather be out doing furniture, but you know, then the question is, do I want to do that 24 seven also? So, yeah, sounds like you have a good balance. I mean, when you get tired of one, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to the garage. And then maybe yeah. when you're in the garage, you're like, oh, I could use a bit of a break at the, uh, at, yeah. the at the Zoom call. <laughs> the Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> so Kentucky, right? Mm hmm. Uh, so what's is the weather the same as it is for Megan and myself? Yeah, our, our weather is terrible. Um, it is it, we had reprieve last week, but now it's like in the in the nineties, and our heat index is over a hundred. So, I mean, these ladies probably know. And if you work outside in your garage, it's very difficult to try to get anything accomplished with this type of weather. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you you have all kinds of issues, especially with uh, paint and you know finishes and stuff like yes. that. But it's just miserable. Yeah, I mean, you have a fan blowing on you, but yeah. when it's hot and humid, it's just miserable out. Exactly. Karen, you talked about uh, kind of doing a dual thing here with uh, your, your full-time work and then doing refinishing, but how long have you been refinishing? It's been about three years, I would say. Those last two have been, like, I do it consistently, you know, in, on nights and weekends. For the first period of time, I was just kind of doing it when I could. Um, but that's, it's been about three years, I'd say. And where do you get your pieces from? I, a lot of them I get from Facebook, um, which I agree with Meg. It's It's been very difficult, um, especially the people that are like, you know, you need to come pick it up right now. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's not possible. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, I, I think that's that's one of the biggest places. And then since I've met people through doing this, a lot of people reach out with like, hey, I have this piece of furniture if you're interested. I think that's a good thing, but it's, sometimes it's difficult if, I feel like it's difficult to be like, oh, I don't really, I don't really want that piece or, you know, mm -hmm. saying that in a nice way. So those are, those are mostly the places that I get them. <laughs> I don't really find things at Goodwill anymore. I've, I found a few very rarely pieces there. And then we have some thrift stores locally that sometimes I'll be able to find pieces. So do you feel like the Goodwill and the thrift stores, um, do you just not frequent them as much or do you feel like they just aren't, <laughs> they're not offering good pieces? I don't, I don't go to them as much just cause Tom, mm -hmm. you know, when I have breaks in between work, I can, I can look on Facebook, but I got to the hoarder state that, that Meg talked about where <laughs> my garage was just so full and overwhelming that I could not everything. Every time I wanted to redo a piece, I had to move three pieces out to redo one. I actually had somebody come and do the whole home edit thing on my garage <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she took everything out and we sorted it and I purged a ton and then she re she reorganized it all and it has been a game changer for my business because now i can prep and prepare all in the garage um so that's been for me it's it's kind of kept me away from if i have three or four pieces just waiting it, it kind of keeps me from buying more and more and more yeah well what a great uh what a great thing to do what made you look into that is this somebody that you knew it was a friend of a friend. So a friend just mentioned it. And I was at the point where my garage was just because I, I also sell out of a like a vendor mall. So I not only sell it in my garage, but I'll sell like I take my pieces too. it's like a peddler's mall. Mm -hmm. And 
it, it just, so there's back stock of all that, all my paint, all my supplies. And it just got to the point where I couldn't work efficiently. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pay this person. I'm never going to do this. I have had this stuff since I moved in and we just got rid of so much. And now every space is a usable space and I know where everything is. I don't have to hunt for it around the garage. <laughs> so I, she came out and then I was like, oh my gosh, this changed my life. Wow. That's so <laughs> cool to hear. Wow. That's yeah. like what, so how's business been for you? It's ebbs and flows. I would say like it has those last probably few months have been a bit slower for me as far as selling pieces. Um, and now it's starting to pick back up over probably these last few weeks. Like mm. I've sold multiple pieces and I think that's the hard part is like, I think a lot of people get discouraged if it's not like constant sell, 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 and just being realistic with yourself that I think that furniture sells ebb and flow with kind of where the economy is. And so I will say like very directly when gas prices went up, we were very impacted here and, and even like the vendors that I'm in this place with, like it was kind of the same thing and you can't get down on yourself or, you know, down on, Oh, this piece, maybe it's just not good. You know, and <laughs> it's just, people just aren't, that's not their priority, but it, it's starting to pick back up. And I've, I will say is I've, I've learned more trying to just be more focused on like what my brand is and picking pieces that I know are going to be what, turn out to what I want them to be versus just like, Oh, that's okay. That's that piece is okay. And I'll get it anyway. And that's kind of where I got the, all the pieces in the garage and the hoarder situation. Um, <laughs> so here is your fun out of nowhere question. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Where is your favorite vacation spot? Oh gosh. Um, probably my favorite place I've been to is Aruba. Mm -hmm. I went with one of my best friends a few years ago and it's just like very relaxing. The water is yeah. beautiful. Um, <laughs> we actually went on like an RV or like a, I guess it's on an RV. I can't think of the word. Um, those bikes you ride, like four wheelers. <laughs> and we went to like a, a natural spring and like through these mountains, it was just like the coolest experience that I probably wouldn't have normally done. So that is my, probably my favorite spot I've been to. I can see why. That sounds quite nice. I really like the word relaxing. <laughs> that sounds very peaceful and relaxing, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Shelly, I can't say you are any less busy. You're turning out quite a few pieces these days. Yeah. Here recently, I've been pretty busy with custom work. So, <laughs> yeah, I've just been knocking out piece after piece of custom work. And so I haven't really had to produce uh much to sell um so yeah well so so how much of your business would you say percentage wise is custom here recently it's pretty much been all custom i think probably the last oh my gosh i'd have to look back through my insta but the last piece i made to sell was a just a little mid-century grass cloth technique piece um and the other Everything else has been custom work. I had a client bring me some custom work um, from out of town. And then her, after I finished her stuff, um, she came to pick it up and saw a couple of pieces that I did just to sell. And she bought those as well. And then um, as soon as she got her pieces back home, her sister-in-law saw those. And she liked them so much that she brought me, I think, six pieces now. I'm finishing up the final set. I know. Just oh my gosh. 
Hogs, oh, that's the, the bedroom set. <laughs> it's just been peace, after, which is amazing, and I appreciate it so much. I'm getting ready to take a week off at the first of the month to go to Utah um, for the birth of my granddaughter. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And, oh, um, congrats. Yeah, thank you. And um, taking a piece that I finished for my daughter with me then, and that once all that is out of there, I'm going to be over my hoarding situation <laughs> because <laughs> it should pretty well clear out my garage. And um, then I can kind of get back to, I've had a couple of buffets sitting in my garage. They're personal buffets. Um, I say personal because I want to keep them real bad, (laughs) but I'm not sure that I will. (laughs) But anyway, I I really have been excited to get started on those, but I have these last two uh, little pieces to finish up and, and hopefully I'll get there. And when you started refinishing, Shelly, did you immediately start uh, building a custom clientele uh, side of your business or did that just kind of happen? That kind of just happened. It's kind of funny how um, my business, I guess, has evolved. It just kind of started out for, I think my, probably my first piece that got any notice or recognition where I thought, oh, well, this might be something was a little green dresser I did two or three years ago that actually I think you guys chose it as a zebra weekly pick. Mm -hmm. Just from that point on, I thought, well, you know, I can make these pieces to sell. And, and so I started kind of dabbling in that and it's just kind of picked up and my, you know, evolved over the years, my style has kind of developed. So when people see my work, and I don't have anything for sale, oftentimes, they want my style on a piece that they have. So Mm It just kind of, it, it's just kind of evolved like that. I, at first, I really didn't like doing custom work at all. Um, it scared me. It made me really nervous and uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, working under someone else's expectations was, was really hard for me. And it, it <laughs> I just would usually feel <laughs> so disturbed by it. And over the years, I've just gotten more comfortable with it. And like with the client I'm working with right now that's brought me so many pieces, she gives me a generally just a color scheme to work in and then turns me loose because she wants it to look like something I did. So she's looking for my style on her pieces. And and that has just really been what's that's made awesome. it easier. Yeah, it's... Gosh, yeah, I hate commission work. Yeah, that's the winning ticket, Shelly. You got it. <laughs> that's right perfect. yeah i think and i had to get to that place or i just wasn't going to be yep. able to do custom work anymore i have yeah. had clients bring me or you know want me to do pieces for them in a style that's not something i'm comfortable with and i've just i've just learned to say no to yeah. you know i mean i love color i love it when other people do color on their pieces but it's just not me i'm not comfortable with it and it took me a little while to get comfortable with saying that, you know, I always felt like, oh, I'm going to have to do some color because my whole page looks beige and <laughs> neutral. And, <laughs> and I think, you know, I love your page. I love it. Never change. Don't change Shelly. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I look at it and I'm like, well, you know, this makes me happy. And if I, there's lots of people that are just doing amazing, beautiful work and all these beautiful colors and, and that's awesome. And it's just not what I do. So, so yeah, that's kind of just where I've ended up at the moment. Well, I think uh, that for sure is encouraging to a lot of people, especially folks that would actually like to do more custom, but they're not sure whether they're built Mm -hmm. to do custom, you know? Yeah. Well, I definitely felt like I wasn't in the beginning. So Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) 
So I want to ask you the business question because it sounds like you're doing pretty good, especially with all your custom work. Well, for the moment, you know, I have had um, leading up to all this current custom work, um, I would have a piece or two or three finished and start to get a little discouraged because it would be a little while. I have started asking a little more for my work um, just because, like I've heard other people on the podcast mention, you know, you just, there's a lot of time involved and there's a lot of product and product to refinish has gotten really expensive. And Mm -hmm. so I've kind of redone my pricing structure and it accounts for all my materials, all the use of my space, all my electricity, yada, yada, the whole nine yards is covered. Um, Mm -hmm. That way I'm recouping my, my cost to produce and my time. So, you know, it, it's gotten a little slower to sell a piece um, as I finish them. But um, the last time I had a few pieces to sell, I had a a client come to buy a piece that I had listed and then she saw something else I had and went ahead and bought that too. So it's, you know, it, it's either all or nothing, I guess. And it's, <laughs> it's working out. I'm just patient. And well, I think it's so important, especially when you think about pricing your pieces, it's so important that refinishers realize and recognize that you are an artist and that yes. you're producing work that is unlike any other piece. You're really an artist and designer. Mm-hmm. And I think once you understand that, just like an artist who paints a canvas, it puts a level of value on the pieces that you are selling. And uh, I think that's appropriate. And and as right. you just said, sometimes when you do that, you have to sit on it for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to sit on it and not, not adjust the price unless it's been a very, very long time and, and or unless you really need the money mm-hmm. you know, to no, be firm absolutely. with your prices. Yeah. Do you find, uh, I know a lot of customer, as your customers that are coming to you, you mentioned some of them have pieces that they're bringing to you, but are you finding pieces on Facebook as well? Is that where you get most of the uh, pieces that you're refinishing? Yeah, I do source some pieces pieces on uh, Marketplace. It kind of just depends. Um, I find Marketplace, I've, I've got to, you know, thrift stores, Goodwill, et cetera. Like everyone has mentioned, all of those places have gotten more expensive or they just don't have anything or, you know, hopelessly broken and very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it's just, <laughs> it's funny how it is. And I'll, I'll break down and I'll pay, you know, it's like, I really do probably quite a few, uh, like vanity conversions or desk conversions into nightstands because that's kind of one of my most requested things is nightstands. And, um, those are getting real expensive. So, you know, finding the right pieces and there's certain pieces that I just don't buy clunky furniture anymore. Like I did early on. I, I look for quality pieces that have some actual real value to them over the long term. you know, antiques and really good quality vintage pieces. But and then I have to pay more for those, obviously. So, but I'll find that I'll go out and I'll like these buffets, I I found these buffets and I snagged those. And then, you know, two days later, there were 10 pieces on Marketplace that I would love to have gotten that were so cheap. And I just couldn't go <laughs> get them because I had just filled up my space with these other pieces. So it's just kind of hit and miss. And I just keep out, you know, keep an eye open. And I look when I'm out and about. And, and you know, as so far, I've been able to, it's not like I have a ton of time. I don't do this full time. I have a full time job. So I work 
and, and it's so hot right now. I have to get up early. I go to bed really late because I, I work nights and then I, I go to bed really late. I get up early and I start on furniture and I work until it's too hot to work in the garage. And, you know, if I'm painting or whatever, I have to bring it in the house. And so yeah. sometimes yeah. there's a dresser sitting in my kitchen <laughs> and it just, <laughs> you guys know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you mentioned it's very hot. Please tell us, Shelley, being further west, that the humidity is lower. Oh, yeah. it's um, Well, actually, you know, we usually have no humidity here, which is amazing. Yeah. We love it here. But um, last, I would say, what, we're in the middle of July, and this has been probably one of the mildest summers in the desert that I can remember. We, you know, early, um, we started getting some rain this year, which was amazing, which made it humid. Um it's it really kind of is a big change from what we're used to last summer everything was on fire and it was 105 degrees every day yeah. but it's been you know in the high 90s we've just crept into the hundreds and um we're not getting the rain right now so it's it's dry and it's hot and it gets hot mm -hmm. in the garage it's too hot to paint in there so but i don't have the paint drying problems with the humidity like you guys have so yeah it's yeah. you know it's a different heat. It's a dry heat. Yeah. Every, everything's wet out here, even when it's not raining, right? Exactly, yeah. I've, I've been to the Midwest and the South, and it's just, I don't think I could I could live like that. <laughs> it does take some adjusting to, yeah, to get used definitely. to it, sure. I feel like when you go out in the garage, you just have to accept you're going to be drenched by the time you come Yeah, you're just going to be miserable. <laughs> like I just have to mentally prepare that I'm just going to be drenched, and yes. I'll just take a shower when I'm done. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shelly, here's your fun out of nowhere question. What is your favorite food? Oh, gosh. Um, anything vegetable. Jeez, do I have a favorite food? I love chips and salsa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I love roasted Brussels sprouts. Um, I sound crazy, I know. Of course, I love pizza. I love a Krispy Kreme donut. I just, I love savory food. Yeah, you know. Uh, it was a little like, bit of a variety, and I'm glad you mentioned the Krispy Kreme donut. And you said a Krispy Kreme donut, not Krispy Kreme donut. So you eat just one, oh, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could sit in front of a box and probably work my way through a whole dozen yeah. in a day. So I just get one and move on. <laughs> yeah, well, Krispy Kreme donuts are like what there used to be a saying, or maybe there still is about potato chips that you can't just eat one. Oh yeah, and that is true with Krispy Kreme because they're so light and airy and fluffy. Oh. It's like they just melt in your mouth. Love them. I'm so glad there's not, yeah, we don't have one of their uh, stores in town. I have to go to Utah to get those, and I always do, so. Well, we don't have one in our town either, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Eliana with Why Not Redesign, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. Why do I use Zebra brushes? Well, they are extremely smooth and have 25% more filaments in each brush, which provides me with maximum pickup and release of paint. They also have a great variety of them. For example, I use the round because of its simple design and great coverage, but it's so much easier to get into rounded surfaces with it. The square is perfect for cutting into drawer sides and insets, and the Palm Pro fits so comfortably in the palm of my hand, which gives me more control for easier painting. 
they are also affordable and very accessible. You can find them at big box stores and at craft stores alike. So to me, zebra brushes are made for my hands and not the other way around, and that's why I love them. Thank you so much, Eliana, for sharing about your experience with zebra paintbrushes. We so value our customer friends. Listeners, you can see their winning pieces we are discussing by going to our enjoyzebra.com site and scroll to the bottom and click on podcast. Also, just a note, Karen had to jump off of our call, unfortunately due to a scheduled work call after she discussed her piece. We hate she couldn't stay on the call, but we certainly understand as many of you hold down full-time jobs as well, and it takes some pretty good juggling to make everything happen. Picking up a piece of furniture to refinish can be exciting and overwhelming at the same time, but there is something about taking that piece that is all covered in paint and stripping it down with all the elbow grease required and uncovering the beautiful gem of wood grain. Sometimes that changes your design direction totally, (laughs) but that is okay. Our June winners are experts on achieving that beautiful wood finish, and we get to hear them chat among themselves, sharing their secrets and asking each other questions. Shelly, Megan, and Karen, it's all yours. Yeah. So I would say my piece kind of happened upon me. I was going to pick up another buffet at this lady's house. It was from Facebook market and she was selling everything in her house. And, you know, for you ladies probably know that's like a win win. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you can get get multiple pieces from the same residence. So uh, she had a china cabinet and this buffet. And it was one of those that I saw the buffet and I saw a lot of potential but I was like, oh, what I want, would want to do that? Is it going to be worth the time and effort to do it? <laughs> um, and so then my, I was like going back and forth and finally I was like, well, I'm here. I'll just get it. And so I brought it home and it sat in my house for, it sat in my garage for a few weeks. Cause I just, I didn't want to paint it, but I also didn't want to strip it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was talking to one of my girlfriends and she's like, well, you know, there's a, a, the zebra contest for June is is bare wood. And I was like, oh, well, she didn't tell me that. Because, you know, it, it has all those spindles and all that detail. Oh, yeah. And I just, so I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll do a little bit at a time. And one of the products I've, I've started using is Stripwell. Um, and it's like a, a vintage stripper. And I, I hated strippers before that. Um just because I feel like they make such a mess and maybe you'll have some you use that are great. But um, so I stripped the top off and I just kind of took it one, one section at a time. And by the time I did the, the drawers and I saw the wood grain, I was like, okay, this is going to be worth it. Um, <laughs> and, and the doors, cause it, they really did come off well at kind of the technique I use is um, especially on that, that those little detailed pieces is, with the strip well, you spray it on and you let it sit for 15 minutes and then you can test a, a portion of it. And if it doesn't come off, you spray another coat without stripping the first coat. And so I did two coats and let it sit. And then I used just like a plastic grout brush and, you know, my, my putty knife, obviously, and some steel wool. And it came off fairly easily. Um, now, when I got to the legs, I questioned everything I had done up to that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. You guys know about spindle legs. Oh yeah. yeah. Those oh. legs are no joke. Yep. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so um, it was worth but, it. It was worth yeah, it. Yeah. It was, it was worth it. But 
I mean, I don't know if you all have a, a way you use to do spindles. I mean, I, I put the product on and I wrapped it with like just some plastic wrap and I mm-hmm. waited and then I did another coat, but it's mm-hmm. still, you know, all those little details, you, there's no way you can't hand sand. I mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's no easy way to do legs. I mean, I've done uh, so many legs, turned legs and so much mm-hmm. detail and it seems like there's always a lot of sanding involved anyway yeah. so you know stripping off a hard finish with a an actual stripper is you know the best way to get those hard finishes off so then you can get in to get the stain out if, mm-hmm. if that's what you're going for but yeah i feel you yeah i was just and i did i did one and then i kept you know, I had it sitting up, then I kept seeing things I missed, and yeah. <laughs> my mom, uh-huh. my you mom turn came it away. Yes. She's like, "Oh, well, I like this kind of stuff. Let me, let me help." And then mm-hmm. she did it for ten minutes. She was like, "Oh, I don't." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a labor of love. Uh, I've never yeah. used a strip well before. Is it typical that you would use maybe one or two coats of it? In yeah, your for the most part, I've only had to use one or two. I did do a big mahogany piece. And I, I had to strip the top because, you know, I had like water stains and it, mm-hmm, I couldn't mm-hmm. have sanded it cleanly. Um, but but as long as it's an antique piece, um, it typically comes off extremely easily with the strip well. I actually am doing a piece right now that I am using it on with painted furniture. Pa- I never do painted furniture just because, you know, taking that paint off is a nightmare. Oh. Um, <laughs> but it, it came off, it bubbled in one coat. So... Yeah, it's a it's been the best one I've used so far. Yeah, and do you use like an afterwash or like a mineral spirits to clean up the excess, or is there a different thing? You can actually just spray the strip well back on, and I okay. wipe it. I wipe it back with a clean piece of steel wool, and then okay. I'll spray it with some water and just like wipe it off with paper towel, and you don't have to do the mineral spirits on it. I think that, um, so I've used the strip well, and then they, they also make an afterwash, which is like a degreaser. And okay, um, okay. you can scrub it off with that as well. Also, another yeah, another good stripper that I've been using on antique pieces is the QCS, the Quick Clean and Safe. And I've just seen a lot of people using that. It seems like it's been working. Yeah, that's what I'm, I think I'm just calling that oh, strip yeah. well. I think that they work similarly. They do smell a little different. Yeah. There's no horrible odor. They're They're not caustic or they're just not hazardous to use which you know we all love that so those are basically the only strippers that I use anymore um they're you know maybe a little I think that there's a little finesse involved in using them so mm-hmm. um you know you use them every single piece I've ever stripped or removed a finish from has been different <laughs> mm-hmm. you know a hundred pieces in every single piece it just behaves a little different with strippers because the finishes yeah. are a little different. And like you said, paint, paint is, is just a nightmare. I've, I've done so much stripping recently. Of paint. I was going to say uh, this whole month, last month, Shelly, every piece. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. Yeah. The last, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like layers of paint with wax on oh it gosh. and just, you know, two layers of paint with wax and just it's just been a lot so you know getting used to using those different kinds of strippers has been mm-hmm. you know a challenge for me but yeah getting all that stuff off so that you can get down to um you know the sandable wood is right is kind of a requirement so but yeah there's always some sanding involved afterwards 
Yeah, that I know that the brand name is Stripwell, but the the product name is QCS, like quick, clean, and simple QCS. Oh, yeah, quick, yeah, Yeah, okay. So it is it is non toxic, so you don't have to like you know you don't have to mask up and all that stuff. Cover your whole body. body. I must be thinking of a different one because Wiseau, I guess Wiseau Paint is selling a green stripper. That was the other one I was thinking of. And I can't remember the name of it. I thought it was strip well, but you're right. That is the QC. It's like simple. I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. Also, yeah. Also works really well. So the both of those are definitely preferable to me but mm-hmm. you know i would use those any day over the stinky ones <laughs> yeah yeah that's nice to know you guys have had such success with them and obviously your pieces show it i know yeah. so much more goes into after stripping but also right. just knowing uh-huh. that that's a little less of a nuisance i always yeah. feel like i just want to avoid it although i know it's going to be so much faster <laughs> sometimes just because i'm like i'll just sand my life away it's yeah. fine i just oh, don't yeah. want to strip <laughs> i've just found that um more recently more painted pieces have been coming to me um Mm. i mean i could always say no to those but they've been good pieces and i've wanted to (laughs) i wanted to make sure that i got to refinish them so i i had a buffet that was just just covered in paint from top to bottom to the very bottom of the legs and after i stripped it it was kind of a nightmare to strip but man it it just it's amazing how you can just turn a piece of furniture around just by getting all that old finish off for sure. Especially if you know what like furniture pieces to look for, like obviously certain styles that are like right. always notoriously like hardwood, like uh-huh. you know that there's going yes. to be something underneath that's worth saving. Like that's yes. definitely a good point. Like if pieces are hard to come by, you know, if you're willing to do a little bit of the extra, you yes. can still find really <laughs> yeah. quality pieces underneath. Right. Mm-hmm. I think also like I was like anti stripper too. Like I just mm-hmm. was like, I'm just going to sand it. I'll just get it all done in one swoop. I don't have to clean up the stripper. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, like, and I think you guys are, I don't know if you all are one woman shows, but mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. also helped me. Like if I'm on a conference call and I can spray <laughs> the stripper on and then come back inside <laughs> and come back to it, yeah. you know, and then it, it really has alleviated Tom, but I was, I was totally team sander. Yeah. Um, <laughs> until I just was like, Ugh, so much work. <laughs> yeah. And too, just with material costs, like sometimes with these gunky finishes too, you realize how many sanding pads you're going through. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I know, I think most of you guys may both have a surf prep, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I do. Yeah. And it's like, even with that, and it's like an efficient sander, you know, like your vacuum system, like you still mm-hmm. end up going through a lot depending on the piece and how long it takes to clean up so kind of weighing those material costs too like to strip one time and then sand like how much are you saving in that respect Mm. too it might be worth weighing it's a big time saver like uh karen was saying i'll um i'll spray a piece now where i'm where i'm going to do a lot of detail work and then Mm -hmm. if i even have to leave it overnight i can and then reactivate it in the morning with another coat of the stripper spray it on oh, there. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And and then just scrub it out with, you know, in the tiny detail parts with a toothbrush or like she said, a grout scrubber, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a time saver. And then, like you said, getting all that finish off before you approach it with sandpaper makes a huge difference because you're going to sand, you're going to save a lot of money on sandpaper and it's just not going to take as long to get it sanded. So... You save your hands. <laughs> like arthritis hands. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. The little, like, I just feel like how many times I fold over those little sandpaper. Oh my gosh. Oh, just to yeah. get into the detail. You're just like, <laughs> yeah. Have, so, 
something that saved me early on, I was just, like you said, folding sandpaper, folding sandpaper. But I invested in, and I say invested, good $10 spent is those little sanding wedges, the little rubber ones. Yes. You can get them on oh, Amazon yes. or whatever. Those, I just got some of those. <laughs> yes, those make your sandpaper last so much better and also save your fingers. And it just, mm -hmm. and you can really push those little tiny corners in into those tight spots and get that stuff out. So, yeah, also a, another handy tool. I know. I don't know why it took me so long. Do you guys use a Dremel? Yes, I also got a Dremel. These are things yeah. that I'm like, these aren't expensive, like, additions to, like, your toolbox yeah. but i was like why am i holding out and just like folding over sandpaper right. i should actually invest in these things it's like 20 bucks on amazon yeah you yeah. know i don't use my dremel a lot i have a dremel i have a couple of them and one of them just has one speed and i've you know caused accidents into other parts of the wood by using that one so i i set that one aside and never use it but i do have a smaller <laughs> one for detail work that mm -hmm. that you know with practice could be also really handy so that's a yeah they have like yeah. I don't know if you've used the one that it has like a it looks like a fan the the attachment it looks no. like a fan but it's a, yes. it's a sander yeah, yeah it's very helpful yeah oh okay yeah I, I might need the link for that <laughs> yeah that one just sprays sawdust yes. everywhere yeah it I'm, does it yeah so I always use that outside if I'm gonna use it <laughs> oh, all these different I also have a soda blaster. Yeah, have you guys ever used the soda blaster? Uh -uh. Yeah, no. I used it once, and it's just such a tremendous mess, and it's noisy, and mm. and the the soda medium is expensive, and it's so I don't. I mean, I can see where it would be super handy for super hard like polyurethane finishes over really detailed areas, but I personally, I mean, a lot of people really like it, but I just have found there's other ways that are less messy, less expensive, uh, you know, less noisy. Yeah, it's good to know. Karen, I, I got a quick question for you. So your piece, did you, so you, did you put the stripper over the entire piece, the whole buffet? Yeah, I stripped the entire thing and then I sanded it. Gotcha. So are those, cause you've got different tones. Uh, did you stain portions of the buffet no. to give it that look or so that was all original yes, wood which i was like shocked when i you know because if you saw the before picture it was all the same color and so when i sanded it i was veneers. like oh my yeah. gosh this is like all separate veneer pieces oh, wow. and different types of wood on the the doors and and then of course i was like well i guess i have to strip these legs now <laughs> it's really amazing the result is beautiful it really is a great looking piece wow yeah it looks so balanced and like yeah professionally designed like where those different yeah, shades I wish I are could like say that yeah, it's very cool. all that, but it Incredible. was just all the <laughs> Yeah, you uncovered yeah. it. You uncovered the gem, that's for sure. Yeah, you revealed it. Yeah, so I know I mentioned my cabinet. It kind of came from Wisconsin, and it's funny that Karen basically did her design around the zebra review because that's exactly what happened with me too. I've had this piece in my garage now for a while and I had a totally different vision. Like I was planning on doing it white, maybe just doing the top sanded down. So I started there and then it was kind of just like the domino effect. As soon as I started like scuff sanding my piece, then I realized the finish was coming off pretty easy. And I was like, oh man, am I going to sand this whole piece for this contest? Like, <laughs> yes, I am. Here I go. <laughs> and so I just kept on going and taking it 
piece by piece, honestly, kind of like Karen had said too, but I primarily just sanded the entire piece down first with my surf prep. And then I did a lot of hand sanding around like the little detail areas. And I did use my Dremel just around the side edges that were just being really um, stubborn. (laughs) So yeah, it was really fun to see the wood being uncovered. I feel like it's just such a a treat when you're in the right mindset to do that extra work and just like let the piece kind of show you what it's working with. Um, I kind of removed all the finish and then did my design from there, just seeing like, okay, where can I add paint or what needs to be accentuated? So it was really fun to see it kind of come together. Yeah, it's really amazing. I love the contrast. Um, That's kind of my favorite thing with the wood and paint is the the contrast like that and how you, you. Yeah. How you put that stencil on the side. That's, that's a really beautiful feature. So pretty. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And I totally agree. I just feel like exposed wood never goes out of style in my, exactly. in my book and in my mind. It's just so beautiful. And even sometimes it's really hard to not want to control the different aspects of a furniture piece. Right. Um, you know, like there's so many different wood tones. You're not sure what you're going to get, but like, whereas initially I was thinking, oh, maybe I should do a wash over this and make it all as cohesive right. as possible. I kind of was like, nope, let go of the control. Just accept yeah. that there's different wood tones. And then like the cabinet doors, those were the one like wood tone. They were really, really red and orange and I just I didn't want that to kind of take away from the tone that I was actually enjoying on the rest of the piece so I was like I'm gonna paint these give it a little bit of that contrast and I just feel like I used um, Shacto Interiors Black Beach which is my favorite like true black and it just really popped against that wood so yeah it was fun to do that and then I did it in the inside too just to freshen that all up and I just could totally see it as like a modern antique bar now Oh yeah, it's it's really great. When when you took the finish, so you said you sanded the body of the piece or the entire piece. Did you put a top coat back over that? I did. Yeah. So I I would say one of my biggest pieces of advice for people who are doing an exposed wood because I've definitely been disappointed in the past where it's like you get this gorgeous grain and this tone yes. of wood that you want to seal and then uh-huh. you put your top coat on you're like shoot it's gone it just changes like, everything so yeah that's yeah or it's really red and so i i tested a small area and was really pleasantly surprised i used just a matte poly over all the wood areas okay. and that actually uh-huh. it didn't darken it too much um right. and then over the painted areas i did hemp oil just because i love the way that that looks with milk paint yeah, it's so, a really nice yeah. rich color to it it's very pretty thank you yeah and it, i just kept the original hardware um i spray painted that after i did the whole cleaning process and i just i liked how it it now in the matte black it's just a little bit more classic and doesn't pop at like the gold it originally was it just looks a little bit more fresh and modern yeah but still kind of holds on to that character right yeah it's beautiful it's such a pretty piece it's really Uh, unique yeah yeah, normally I'm not like a stencil person either, but I just, I wanted to add a little something to tie in the sides uh-huh. and the black. Yeah, but it it was fun to do the stencil. It's like something outside of my normal, like I don't tend to gravitate toward them. So it was right. just fun to kind of use that to accentuate, you know, the, the front panels that were black, but also uh-huh. just do something that was going to make it like 100% like one of a kind. Yeah, I really like the stencil on there. I, I know what you mean. I don't use a lot of stencils, but I, in fact, well, the last 
big batch of furniture I did has a stencil on it. But um, I like how kind of earthy and organic that stencil looks with that Thanks. piece. It's just kind of real simple lines with that, just that really nice contrast and that real earthy wood. It's just very, very pretty. Thanks. Nice job. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Meg, did you, you said you used Chateau Interiors milk paint on the front. How many layers mm -hmm. and did you use bonding agent? No, so because I sanded it so well ahead of time, I was like, there's mm -hmm. no way that this is going to chip. Granted, I shouldn't always go in that with that mindset because it'll still manage to do it. <laughs> but it was only, did I do two coats, mm. I believe? Um, honestly, the the first coat probably could have cut it. Um, but I, I did go back through and just distress it lightly. So you can see... Um, maybe in some of my close-up photos, there's a little bit of that wood grain that pops through just so it doesn't look too polished. I feel like it kind of That's um, aged it just a little bit. I haven't used milk paint before. I've got to, I've got to dry that. <laughs> oh, it is fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely different. Yeah. Okay. So with this little ice box, um, this came to me as a custom piece. And uh, originally my client wanted it painted a dark gray. Um, I was doing all lighter gray pieces for her. And this particular piece, she was looking for something in a light gray. But um, this piece had a lot of uh, issues. It was kind of wobbly and falling apart. So I did all the repair on it and got it all snugged up and then just thought the wood grain on it is is so unique and it's such a beautiful old oak piece with so many interesting features. I just thought this piece would look good if it was just solid wood and in a light, more modern finish. So um, my client decided that that would be great. And so I did the oven cleaner method on this. And I know a lot of people are anti that, but I, I went ahead and did that with this because the finish was so soft on it. And um, we did that got all the finish off of it. I sanded it back uh, lightly with uh, probably 220 sponge. And, and then I did a paint wash on it. And that was a mix, I want to say of uh, Fusion Algonquin and another lighter color. I think it was Chateau, something to give it a, a lighter, brighter finish. And it was just kind of magical the way it just kind of brought out the grain and the the color of the wood and just really light and really pretty pretty and then I just put a top coat of water-based poly on it and got the amazing hinges on this piece polished up and it just gave it a really just a really pretty look so I'm just so happy with the way it turned out after it was stripped it still had some staining on the wood um just you know areas that wouldn't come out but I would decided to just kind of go with that and was happy with that along the edges and got her all put back together and yeah just a really pretty look for a really cute little piece yeah it's stunning I feel like you've mastered your paint wash I love every natural exposed wood piece that I've seen you do it, it just seems like that wash that you've created is just such a modern like fresh finish Thank but still you. does yeah. such a wonderful job like showcasing the wood grain like it just looks so stunning Thank you. The, yeah, wood, <laughs> I have struggled so hard because I really like those really light wood finishes and mm -hmm. I tried stains and stains are so hard for me. And with trying to achieve these lighter wood, like you said, you sand back, you get that perfect tone and then you put a top coat on it, it just changes the color. So everything that, that I sand back now, I 
I just do a little wet test on it with a little dab of water and see what mm -hmm. the color uh, changes to. And then I adjust a paint wash to anywhere from like a tan wash to a white wash to a, a green wash sometimes to get rid of the red. And it's, yeah. you know, um, a lot of pieces now I bleach because bleaching takes all that red out. Sometimes you bleach once, you know, twice, whatever the case. Um, and it's, it's just been kind of a, each and every single piece is different. Um, you sand it back and you're just going to get a different tone. So you're going to have to, um, you know, just try all of your things that you've learned over the years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, science experiment. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Just, and, you know, kind of find a place where you can kind of sample some little different paint washes to try to get the exact tone you're looking for. And then each time I do a paint wash, um, I found uh, with paint washes to start with a very minimal wash. Don't go too heavy on the paint, just like a 10% or whatever, just okay. and because you can always put it on, let it dry, do a little wet test on it to see if it's changed enough. And then if it's not, then you go back over it again after it's dried. And same thing, you may do it three, four or five times to yeah. get the right without making the wood look too cloudy. And yeah, that's a great tip because sometimes I have done that where it's like, yeah, you do it a little cloudy. And you're like, oh man, I'm sanding again. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, like exactly. that. <laughs> yeah. And I, it's, you know, paint is just, I'm a painter and it's just easier for me to control than stain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love stain, but there's just certain finishes that I just, I, I'm just not skilled enough with different stains to, I've seen some beautiful stains and some folks are just really good at that, but paint washes are just easier for me. And I've been kind of doing a lot of that lately. And um, yes, yeah. that's, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at right now with these, these particular finishes. Yeah, obviously they're working because your your clientele is loving them. And I, I know I've messaged you separately, but I'm like, <laughs> just the aesthetic of all of your pieces and like the custom work you've been putting out. It, it truly is like a curated collection and style. It's, I feel like it's such a great inspiration. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. A lot of that stuff is going into the same house, um, the last several pieces I'm doing. Amazing. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, my client has is really happy with, with what the way things are looking right now. I believe it with the hardware that you cleaned up on the, um, chest, did you have to go through and use any like specific polish over it or was that oh, the that, natural? Yeah. Those beautiful brass hinges. Aren't those amazing? Yeah. They're so they're incredible. very pretty. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah, the detail and the, just the scrolling. So I just polished those up with barkeeper's friend. I didn't even wow. do a bath on them. So I just polished them up. They were super oh, dirty. So I just got the liquid barkeeper's friend and then just scrubbed them real good with the um, toothbrush and the barkeeper's friend. Mm -hmm. And then I went back over them with the steel wool and rinsed them off and there they are. They're just amazing. Wow. <laughs> you totally yeah. did it justice. I was like, okay, I'm on the lookout for one of these now because I want, I want that. <laughs> I want to do what you did to this. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I know this is the first, yeah, this little ice chest. I, I have seen those before, um, not in person, but you know, like on Pinterest or whatever. And I yes, just yeah. thought, Oh my gosh. In fact, I saw one of those on marketplace, a great big one. Um, today it was like $3,000, but so I won't oh be gosh. buying that, but I mean, <laughs> amazing, you know, they are yeah. so cool, but this is probably the most beautiful hardware I've ever seen. 
Yeah, that's great. I was going to say, I've only ever seen like the short ones and people turn those into, you know, different, Uh just really eclectic and really cool side tables or end tables. But the tall height of yours is just so unique too. I love it. Yeah, it's real cute. It had a little plaque on the front of it, that little plate that says cabinet. And (laughs) underneath that was the actual like a foil it was like a foil label that said where it was made that was kind of worn through that i just couldn't save it so i just polished up the little cabinet uh yeah thing and put it back on there but yeah (laughs) it's a pretty neat little piece well congratulations such a a great you totally worthy congratulations (laughs) to you meg you just do such amazing work and and i just i was gonna say earlier i just love your baby's new room it's just so (laughs) so incredible and congratulations to you that's exciting Thanks. Yeah. It's going to be a whole new crazy chapter. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, you guys certainly offered a great deal of insight into the process of achieving achieving those beautiful wood finishes. It was evident from your winning pieces. So great discussion. Thanks. Again, congratulations, Shelly, Karen, and Megan. You all continue to excel and inspire. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Thanks, Lane. Uh, thanks, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Today's refinishing tip comes from Cassie with Lolo Designs. Hey Zebra fam, this is Cassie from Lolo Designs and I have a furniture refinishing tip for you today. And it's a little bit silly, but stay with me here. So if you're like me and you have to paint teeny tiny screws from whether it's hinges or hardware, you want them to stay upright the entire time you're painting them so that they don't topple over and ruin the finish that you just created on them. So if you're like me and you don't want that to happen, I need you to go into your kitchen, into your pantry, and grab a piece of bread. That is right, a piece of bread. If it's a little stale, that's even better. Because what you're going to do is take your piece of bread down to your workshop, set it where you're about to paint, put your teeny tiny screws into the bread, and go to town with your paint. This allows the screws to stay upright the entire time. So any over paint that you have, if you get a little overzealous with the paint like I do sometimes, it just goes right on the bread, but it doesn't mess up the finish because they are staying upright the entire time. Now, it seems very small, kind of silly, but I promise you that it works. So if you end up trying this, let me know at Lolo Designs underscore. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Thank you, Zebra Fam, for having me on today. Hopefully that tip helps you guys, and I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie. Very creative tip, but it certainly sounds like a very useful one. Periodically here on the podcast, we'll be showcasing a question of the week and we'll have a few refinishers to answer the question. This week's question is, what is the most you have ever made off of a piece of refinished furniture? We thought this question would be helpful for all of you not to compare, but when you own your own business, it's rare to share how much you make and you often wonder where you fall in the industry. Are you charging enough or too much? Thanks to Nathan, Sandra, Jess, and Fabi for being transparent and sharing with us. Hey guys, this is Nathan Bridges from NB Restorations. And I would say the biggest profit I've made on one of my furniture pieces would be a hooker brand cabinet. I got a yard sale for just $10. And I invested about $150 into it, which is really a little more than what I normally do. 
but I knew it'd be worth it because I ended up selling it for $925, which gave me a total profit of $765. Hi, my name is Sandra from Black Left Furniture Revival, and the piece that has given me the most profit, my price piece, was this rare antique Tiger Oak cabinet that I bought for $100 and sold for 1100 All we did was clean her up and nourish back the wood and sold her as is to someone who came all the way from Iowa. Hey, this is Jess from Refresh by Jess. The most I've ever made on a refinished piece was $895. Hi, this is Fabi Brown of Blush and Ivy Studios. And the most profit I've ever made off of a single piece of furniture that I refinished is this French Provincial I completed last year. I purchased it for $60 and I listed it for $1,700 and I received full ask. So it was definitely a great profit day that day. If you have a question you would like asked among your refinishing peers, send me an email at lane at enjoyzebra.com. If we answer your question on the podcast, you'll receive a free zebra paintbrush. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to one of our newer podcast segments called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary refinishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Whitney with White House on the Square. Hello there, my furniture-loving friends. This is Whitney from the White House on the Square, and I am here to give accolades to Jen with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture. I've been following Jen for quite some time now. She is so incredibly talented. Her pieces are so beautiful, and she seems to complete them so effortlessly. She is so engaging and knowledgeable. She shares her processes. She shares her experiences. She's just so real. Not only does she share the good stuff, she also shares the not-so-good stuff. She always has tips and tricks for us and she does it all with a smile on her face i look forward to watching her stories every day i love the paint swatches that she does for us and the inspiration that she gives us and of course my favorite is her thrift with me thursdays thank you jen for all the inspiration and thank you zebra for giving me the opportunity to give accolades to jen thanks whitney and accolades jen Welcome to the Beginner's Bucket, a new segment this season that gives new refinishers an opportunity to ask questions from their more experienced refinishing friends. If you have a question that you would like answered, just send me an email at laneballatenjoyzebra.com and we'll ask an experienced refinisher and play the answer here on the podcast. This week's question comes from a loyal friend of the podcast, Mary Beth with San Jose Furniture Flip, and she has another great question. How do you keep your studio organized and what do you do with the almost empty products? Diana with Pink Pinecone answers her question. Hi, this is Diana with the Pink Pinecone and great question, Mary Beth. So when it comes to keeping everything organized in my workshop, I feel like the first thing I did when the workshop was built was I bought a cabinet, put everything in the place that I want it to be. And whenever I take it out, it has to go right back into that same place. So I am 100% a creature of habit, but it does keep me tidy. So I'm not looking for things. Where did I leave that? Where did I put that last? I'm not a big drop it and come back to it kind of gal. If I'm holding it in my hand, it either is being used or it's on its way back to the cabinet that it came from. There is no in between. So I feel like that keeps me nice and neat in here. Um, And then the other thing is when a project is done, I take 
you know, all the furniture goes out, it goes to the client. And then I do a full sweep clean of my space and it just feels like it's starting fresh for the next project. And I really like that system. As for those almost empty jars of paint, those usually end up becoming the inspiration for my next project. So if I'm working on something that's rather small, I'll typically try to use up whatever paint remains from the previous project on that, or I'll use it to mix with another paint color and try to make something more custom. And that's a way that I can not just let those kind of go to die and they don't go to waste that way. So if they're being used on the next project, it kind of is a way of, of you know, not just letting them, like I said, kind of just dry up. The other thing I like to do is reduce their foot print wherever possible. So if it's a small amount of paint in a big old jar, I like to put them into, um, I keep like food jars, like those little, like we used to use like baby jars, um, yogurt containers, all those little small jars. I reuse those, rinse them out, clean them. And then I pour the paint into that just so it reduces the footprint in the cabinet. Um, it might not be a huge difference, but every little bit helps, I feel like. So the less I can just have those big old, you know, cans of paint kicking around, the better. Thanks, Diana, for sharing your experience and what works for you. Great insight. Friends, it is time to go clean and classic with your pieces this month. That's right. The Zebra Review theme for July is clean and classic. These beautiful pieces will be simple, one color with no distressing. You can incorporate exposed wood on the legs only. Tag your clean and classic pieces that were refinished from July 1st through July 31st, 2022 with the hashtag the zebra review our five judges will be choosing three winners our judges are jenna perfectly imperfect furniture katie cloud of katie cloud katie scott of salvage by k scott lauren schwachina of portland rose studio and sarah of sitting pretty home decor our sponsors this month include melange paints d lawless hardware surf prep sanding and zebra paint brushes We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing. 